Welcome to the Embody Podcast. This is Candace Wu, and today I share an intimate and enriching conversation with one of my dear friends, Rachel Hutner, who is a Thai body worker and a Reiki practitioner. In this podcast, Rachel and I talk about how basketball inspired her Thai body work, the importance of tribe and teamwork, how to be in touch with synchronicity and nurturing and valuing intuition and spirit guides. And she shares about one of my favorite quotes, Be Faithful to That Which Exists Nowhere But Within Yourself by Andre Guide. And without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm really good. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm really glad that we're doing this. When I heard you were doing a podcast, I was very excited. So I'm glad it's happening right now for us. So Rachel, we're going to talk about your Thai body work and Reiki. Could you tell us a bit about how you got here? Yeah, sure. So I started off as an athlete. I played basketball for, well, most of my life. I started off on teams when I think I was five years old. (laughs) And I was playing through community college. So I played until I was about 20 or 21. And it was a sport that I loved dearly. And I learned, I still love, but I, I learned so many tools. Just even from that time in my life, I learned commitment and focus teamwork. I mean, focus is a really important one for me. If I didn't have that experience on the, on the court, I don't know where I'd be right now, but I just, I love the game a lot. And I, I had this back injury when I was 16 years old. And so it just never got better. And things started getting worse. And by the time I was 20, I had to have back surgery. And from there, I just, I never really recovered from the surgery. I spent the next decade or so in some sort of pain or discomfort. I would still throw my back out. I was felt like I was always one awkward movement away from like being injured. And finally, when I was 27, I had thrown my back out again. And this time it was really, really bad. And I thought I was on the path to having surgery again. But uh, a friend of mine, very loving friend intervened and uh, she found this place that did sliding scale acupuncture. And that was my first glimpse and treatment into holistic modalities. And I also think it's, it's no coincidence that once I started addressing the emotional and mental component, uh, spiritual as well, I think that I really started to heal and acupuncture gives space for that. I mean, it uses, it uses everything, all the resources that are, that are there and that are present. And so that was the starting point. From there, I dabbled in, or I sought out many different modalities. I feel like I tried everything. I tried yoga, qigong, reiki. I tried a type of uh, uh, therapy called bone setting that also follows Chinese medicine. And everything I did just added to my health. It added to my well-being and it, and it added to my back becoming stronger. And ultimately it was actually the, the bone setting that, that really helped and that brought everything together and that made me stronger. And that I like to say it, it really healed my back. And so when I got to this point, I realized, well, I realized before this, but I realized that I, I wanted to partake and I wanted to share this knowledge that I, that I had in, in healing, but also in healing from a holistic approach. And so it was just a matter of finding the right fit for me. And I, at first, maybe I thought it was yoga. I looked at some places for acupuncture. 
And ultimately, it was the, the Thai body work, the movement of the Thai body work that I really resonated with. And the Thai body work and the Reiki combined became this vessel that I was able to echo the same compassionate care that I received from all the practitioners that I met along the way. And that is something that I, I remind myself of almost every session was, you know, the care that I had from these practitioners when I was very, very vulnerable and in a lot of pain and also very depressed. And so I'm, I'm very fortunate now that I feel like I'm able to kind of embody that compassionate care in my work. I know firsthand that you truly do embody that. And I'm glad that you had that kind of love through all of the different practitioners. Yeah, I really hold very dear in my heart, everyone that's helped me along the way. And, you know, it began at Sage Community Healthcare, which unfortunately is no longer, but I still see my acupuncturist, Liz Appel. She was a huge part of my healing. My Reiki practitioner and teacher, Nicole Perez, and you as well. You really, really helped me in my healing process. So I, I cherish, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I really appreciate it. it. I mean, it bubbled up, right? It came up. <laughs> But, but the, you know, the compassion that you, and care that you showed me when you're just, when someone's hurting and painful and it's, it's something that I, I, sh I have immense gratitude for, for everyone that's helped me. Thank you. Um, teamwork has been one of the biggest things that you talk about, teamwork and community. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what your vision for the world is. <laughs> yeah, you, you know me very well. And I feel like I, I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm almost like, like thinking you're like, okay, like, yes, like you're driving it home. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that to me, when I think of teamwork, I always think about like tribe and I think about working together and I think about this very important component in our lives that's missing and it's to our detriment. So you know, we talk about sometimes when we talk about uh, symptoms of our culture that, you know, people are isolated or living in isolation or don't, you know, there's a lack of community. I know these are very, this very broad picture I'm painting, but even anything from, you know, I worked with uh, different populations growing up and I worked with adults with developmental disabilities. And I feel like when you look at our underserved populations, like adults with DD or even when you look at nursing homes and people who are aging, I feel like you could see it there that being isolated is not good for our mental and emotional health. Um, it's most apparent there, right? But then I think it, it's also, it's, it's, we feel, we feel symptoms of it in our daily lives, right? So whether it's, you know, maybe like feeling these feelings of uh, maybe being depressed or a little listless. Yes, I think there's could be a good number of causes for that. But I really feel like when we have a unit and when we have a tribe and when we have a team or we have a community, I feel like you have all these other people that could help you and share in what you're feeling. And it's, too much to burden one person with that yourself or 
one other person with that, your partner. It's so hard to, to navigate, especially, you know, what's happening in society around us right now. It's so hard to navigate these things on our own or with just one other person for support. That is like loading a lot. It's handling a lot. And so, you know, I think about, again, I'll, I'm probably going to reference basketball a lot here. Um, I think about basketball. I think about having 10 or 11 other women, you know, on my team. And I think about messing up or I think about like, you know, kind of screwing up on the court a little bit. And if I hang my head, this is the beauty of this, this sport or, you know, team sports in general. If I hang my head and I'm down on myself, I literally have half the team coming up on, to me and saying, shake it off. Don't worry about it. Like you, you're, you could do it. Like, let's go, you know? So I, I really think that that is like a microcosm for the communities that we're missing out on and the support that I feel like we really need at a, a very basic level. That seems so important. And I know how important it is in my life. Um, I, I thought of a couple of things yeah. reaching out, but you were referencing people reaching out to you versus if you're struggling, reaching out to them. So I'm just noticing that. And also, what do you recommend for people to even make a small step on that? Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a, a really good observation. And I, I almost think it's, there's two different ways of thinking happening there. Okay. So if I'm having a hard time and I'm by myself, I could certainly reach out. And, but that's very, I have to be very proactive about that. And I feel like there's a lot of obstacles that could get in the way for me reaching out. And I think we might know some of those obstacles, like, I don't want to burden this person or, uh, maybe I could get through it on my own. Right. Cause that's also a certain way of thinking that is opposite from teamwork. <laughs> if we had that in place already, um, as opposed to, as opposed to this different type of thinking where you maybe know someone is having a hard time or typically has a hard time. I mean, we're in the throws of winter right now and we just, uh, there's about a foot of snow on the ground at least. And I feel like a lot of people are experiencing winter blues or getting kind of stir crazy. And that, and that happens to us every year in Chicago. So, you know, I, I know that the people that in my life that are maybe solo or maybe have a tougher time around this year, I know that I reach out and just say, Hey, what's up? Like, how are you feeling? And I think that's just, you know, that's just one example, or at least a small way of, of, uh, what you can do or how to enact, you know, community and teamwork on a very basic level. I think on a, on a bigger level, I'm also a big advocate for volunteering. So I think that's super important. I think it's a huge shift in, in thinking and mentality when you could consistently offer your time to people that are in need. and. Again, the benefits of living in the city is that there are so many organizations out here and so many nonprofits that are helping different underserved populations. So whether it's feeding those without homes or again, it being winter and especially tough time for people who don't have homes doing a coat drive, uh, the church I go to in particular, we did around the holidays. We, we did, I think we stuffed stockings. That's what it was. But we, we just had so many supplies, anything from like hand warmers to toothbrush, toothpaste, journals, deck of cards, stuff like that. So 
I think volunteering is another way that you could be in this environment and this teamwork community atmosphere. And I feel like it really changes your perspective slowly. I really feel like it does it. You walk away from that experience and then you get another perspective on yes, what other people are going through, but then you also see that maybe you encounter the same qualities in your friends or your family that, that need a little support and that need to be nurtured. It really is a, is a shift and it's very subtle, but I think through volunteering and through reaching out in these small ways that they definitely, definitely start to occur and they start to reshape and reframe the world for you. So I'm curious, Rachel, <laughs> how do you work with or respond to when people, when you do ask, how are you doing? Like when you reach out and they're just like, yeah, good, fine. Life is good. Yeah. yeah, this has been interesting. And I, I'm coming across it now that I've developed, I'm developing my own practice. So my practice with bodywork and Reiki are, I've been doing it maybe for about six months, but I'm officially putting together a practice. So I, it's still developing. And as that happens, there's, it's sort of like you, there's a step back that you take. And I think that's good. I think you take a step back and as someone who is, has, is used to interacting with uh, components at a spiritual level, emotional level, you find that that's code for something, right? <laughs> yes. So what do you find it's code for? Or, I mean, obviously it's different with every person, but what does that read to you? I think it almost says proceed with caution. <laughs> I think it says that, I think it says like, okay, maybe things are not so great. And I think it's my job to um, pick up on the subtleties of what they're willing to reveal and what they're not willing to reveal. And also what I can inquire about. And I think it's a fine line. You know, I don't want to be too pushy, of course, because then that pushes people away. But I also think that's, that's kind of complements Reiki and the subtleties of working with energy because you work with energy during Reiki. And then also I would work with that in this instance too. And I would pick up on it and intuitively decipher, you know, kind of case by case. Can I push? No. <laughs> okay. I'll wait for them, you know, or, or maybe I can push a little bit. So. It's so it's so respectful and it's also so um, sense, sensitive, like tuning in. And you told me a quote the other day. Do you remember it? Yes, I did. So I'm a big fan. I, I'm going to plug people left and right because I think that's really important to do. I'm a really big fan of Rick Hansen. He is a psychologist. I mean, I think I know he studied many things, but he has a knack for bringing together the psychology of the mind along with mindfulness, uh, Buddhism. And I know he studied both extensively. So he puts out a weekly newsletter that I highly recommend. It's, it's transformative. Every, every time I read this, it's, it really puts a very grounded spin on mindfulness, but, but so much more. Um, it's called Just One Thing. So that's his newsletter. I highly recommend. And he's also puts out, I think he collaborates, I think it's that he collaborates with other people, but it's called the, just give me one second. Um, Wise Brain Bulletin. There we go. And that comes out, I think, quarterly. So it was in, it was in the Wise Brain Bulletin. And 
it was the story that the psychologist had wrote, this therapist had wrote about trying to find common ground and trying to make a breakthrough with this mom and this daughter who were experiencing grief. I remembered the fuller story. So it was quite apparent that the daughter, the younger daughter was feeling a lot of grief and it was coming out in different ways for her sleepless nights, maybe tantrums. And the mom didn't want to look at it. And the, the, the anchor, the, the hook to that story is that the therapist saw what was happening quite clearly. She knew that this needed attention, that the passing of someone needed attention in order for this to be resolved. But when she started pushing on it, the, the mom withdrew. And this relationship of trust was not broken, but it was compromised. And so she went to her superior, the therapist did, and she told them, she told the superior the story and very wise words, very simple was that the right words at the wrong time are the wrong words. And I just, I love that because we often, I feel like we have this feeling where we want what's best for someone else, but we sometimes are willing to overlook their cues in order to put that out there. And I think that could be maybe a little harmful. Then it becomes more about ourselves than about supporting the other person in the right way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that just hits the spot. Yeah, and I, I do think there's an aspect of teamwork in that too. I really do, you know? It's, it's picking up on these, on these subtleties and really working together because you both have the same goal. You know, in that story, right? They both have the same goal to like get better or for the daughter to feel better. And also in any kind of holistic work that we're doing, we both have that same goal. And in, in, uh, on the basketball court, you want to win the game and you're working together, playing off each other's strengths in order to do that. So I, I again, I see the similar similarities. there, pretty, uh, apparent. Yeah. Pretty obvious. <laughs> I love how you're tying basketball into everything. It's just so exciting. <laughs> Just you wait. It's like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so Rachel, I know you pretty well. And one of the things I admire most about you is how in touch with synchronicity you are. What, what's going on with synchronicity now for you? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I love synchronicity. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I love synchronicity. So synchronicity to me is this occurrence where things just fall in line. Things are, it's like the universe is acknowledging you and it's kind of winking at you, you know, like, yeah, I see you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm getting winked at a lot. That's great. <laughs> So I think we've all had this experience maybe of uh, maybe wanting a different job or maybe wanting to move or making this big decision. It doesn't have to be big, but I think that's where we see it more. Making this big decision for ourselves and feeling like you don't, you don't know where to start or you're, you're hesitant or... You're just not sure. You don't think it's going to work out. And then all of a sudden, certain things line up. They start falling into place. And it feels very special. 
So this is this is one of the reasons why I'm like so hyped up on synchronicity because it does feel really special. It's a feeling that I I don't think you can really compare to anything else. And I'm trying to think of specific examples. Um, well, let's 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 come back there in a minute. But I also think I I also really value synchronicity when it happens because. It's a way of receiving help. So it's a way of not having to do everything yourself. Teamwork again. Oh my gosh. Teamwork, <laughs> teamwork with the universe. Exactly. Good point. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, another reason why I like it so much is because it's nonlinear to me. So I think we have this perception that in order to accomplish something, you have to be all in and you have to constantly be working towards it. Right. In like one direction. In one direction. Right. Right. And I feel like with synchronicity, it's, it's more about the intention. So I feel like you put the intention out there wholeheartedly. And I feel like the pieces slowly start falling one by one in your path in different ways. You know, I I still think it does take some effort on your part, of course, but I, I think that when things start to line up, it's like giving you a boost and it's just showing you that you don't have to do everything by yourself. You don't have to exert so much effort. And it's almost saying like, yeah, this is keep going. This is where you're supposed to go, you know, because you're getting that boost and you're getting that support. There are definitely times where I feel like I'm pushing and I'm like reaching, like grasping and I can't see the synchronicities. I can't receive them. Are there, do you relate to that? And are there ways that you allow that synchronicity to be seen? Yeah, there, there are, especially right now, cause I'm, I'm working on a website and anything having to do with the computer has always typically been very daunting to me for better or for worse. And I'm, I'm finding I'm having a lot of challenges and it is a feeling of, of working really hard. It's, it's this feeling, it happens when you're working really hard and you're getting somewhere, you're not getting very far. So it's like the amount of effort that you're putting into it is very disproportionate to like how much you're actually like progressing. And so I find when that happens, yeah, it's a very heavy feeling. I find when that happens, you have taking a step back is really helpful. Again, I think this is a nonlinear way of thinking, which I really value So I think taking a step back, you know, doing something that's nurturing, doing something that you like, getting out of that headspace for a moment. And I do feel like in those instances, there's always a, there's always a pull. Like you could, if you sit with it for a moment, there's always like, okay, what's next? What can I do next? Whether it be calling up your mom, maybe, right? Or uh, go visiting your grandmother. Or maybe none of that, maybe just making a really nice dinner. And I feel like it's in that taking a step back that really you're able to see the fuller picture of what you're working on. But also I think that you still get, you still get answers, but in different ways. And I find personally, I find that happens a lot with you between the two of us. Mm -hmm. I feel like if our head's down and we're working on something diligently and it's just not coming together and you know, you and I interact, uh, I find that we're able to pick up on what it is that's holding us back. And then everything opens up in a different way and things become a lot easier because we're seeing something from a different perspective. 
and we're kind of shifting out of uh, wherever it was that we were stuck because that's, that's what we're feeling when we're not getting very far and we're working hard. We're stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm really appreciating with you, you know, as a good friend of mine that we're, we're able to, well, we've grown in this, but now we're able to say some uncomfortable things to each other. You know how we feel about certain things um, that have blocked us from connection in the past. Um, but yeah, I know what you're saying when you say that if we just sit with it together, we've come to some other place, we've created something new, or we've revealed something that's truly there. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. Yeah. And it could be, yeah, it's, it's in, again, it's in taking that step back that I feel like we're actually, we're getting where we want, but just in a different way. And then we're able to utilize that momentum in the project that we're creating. Yeah. You've always reminded me of that, taking a step back and just resetting or doing something different to change up the energy of it and then revisiting. If I could quote Rick Hansen, <laughs> he does, he says changing the channel. And I love that analogy, just changing the channel, just taking a step back, doing something different. I can't tell you how many times in Chicago, as I'm just riding around or walking around and I'm thinking about you, I'm thinking I should tell you something or like discuss an idea with you. And there you are. And I scream, Rachel, or I hear from behind me, um, something like, Hey stranger, or I know you <laughs> and it's you. And, um, to me, that's very synchronous. It happens more with you than anyone else I know, I think. But, um, I know you have just a treasure chest full of synchronicity stories. What's one of them that you'd like to share today? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot. And before I share, I, I think the more we speak to it, I think the more it happens. And so that's, I, I think it's great that we're talking about this right now because it is such a, a wonderful thing when things line, line up. And I feel like the more you notice it, the more it's going to happen for you. And it's just like this extra support that you have. Um, so this one story in particular that I'm thinking about is it's early on in my studies for uh, body work. And I was hired by there's a university in Evanston Northwestern and they have a Thai club and they were putting on this event and they wanted someone to do Thai body work. And that was going to be me. And I wanted to make sure that everything went smooth <laughs> for this event because it was the first of its kind that I was doing. And I, again, I'm, it's early on in my study. So I'm a little bit nervous and I just want to make sure that everything is lined up. So by the time I get there, I could just focus on the body work and, and just make it a success. So it turns out that, you know, I, I ride my bike everywhere. So I have to travel, do, I have to travel to get up there. And the first place I go to is my studio. So I go to the place where I I'm taking classes and I'm going to go there. I ride my bike there. And from there, I'm going to transfer a mat to the school and that's where I'm going to do the work on. But something interesting happens. I find that my credit card is not working. So it's on the weekend and I don't have any money. And I find this out right before I leave to go up to Evanston. And I, now I'm panicking 
It's so funny how I wanted everything to go smoothly and I have one hiccup and I'm in panic mode, full out panic mode. And I'm calling up different people. I'm asking my roommate for money. <laughs> I'm trying to find out how, how I could get, you know, cash in order to be able to go up to the school. And so finally what I do is I, I, I end up borrowing some money. I ride my bike up to the school and I get there so I could grab the mat and my teacher's there and I didn't know he was going to be there, but he's there. So I talked to him for a minute and I say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to call a cab now. And he goes, oh, you know what? Why don't I get you a lift? And I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I'll, pay, I'll pay you back, you know, next week. And he goes, no, no. He's like, no, don't worry about it. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. And to me, I was kind of like, that's funny. I went through all this work to get a little bit of cash and I got, you know, he's willing to pay for my ride. So I kind of, kind of didn't have to worry about it. But of course there's after the event and I still have to bring the mat back to the studio. So the event goes well and it's about three hours long. And afterwards I'm outside with this mat and I call a cab. Now it's a cab. <laughs> I have to pay for a cab, right? So finally I, I have to wait for a little bit. The cab pulls up and it's a van, put the mat in, start talking to the driver and make a little chit chat. We don't have very far to go. So he pulls up to the school and I, I give him a 20 and I ask for a change back, you know, ask for the change back. And he kind of looks at me, he's like, you don't have anything else. And I go for my wallet. Cause of course I have my card, but I'm like, Oh my God, I cards declined. I, I really don't have anything else right now. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, I'm sorry. And he looks at me and he goes, all right, don't worry about it. And I sat there stunned. <laughs> I felt like time, I really felt like time stopped. And I, I was just kind of like, wait a minute, I, th this does not compute right now. <laughs> and so to me, it was just kind of showing me that I went through, again, panic mode that was a little unnecessary. And I was, I was feeling shown, I was being shown that I was being supported. And specifically with, with doing the body work. And that's why it, f it just feels so special because things lined up. It lined up once and I feel like you could be like, okay, cool. Right. Oh yeah, that's nice. Cool. But then it happened a second time and there's this feeling of like, whoa, okay, I'm listening. This is what I'm doing. And it just seemed very, very special. Wow. I, I don't even know what to say because I, I know I've been in those situations too, where I'm like freaking out and then you, <laughs> something happens and you get that message. At least that's, that's the message I got as well. Like, it's going to be supported no matter what you think it is. But then again, plenty of people feel that they're not being supported. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, I know that's, it's tough to navigate because of course I've, I've thought about that too. And uh, there's a sense of, there's a sense of, I'm going to say being open to it. And I know that could be a little bit loaded, right? Because I know some people might say, well, I am open to it or wait, what makes me not open to it or, or, you know, whatever. But there's a sense of, wanting to maybe receive the help that I think could be a factor. I actually haven't thought about it 
to a, you know, a bigger extent. I think maybe I could talk about speaking to it. The more I noticed, I once had like a synchronicity journal and I wrote down everything, every time things lined up and I just felt like it was happening more often. And I felt like I was like speaking to it, having a conversation with it, noticing it. And then you see really how your world can be shaped by this. And I, I almost feel like that goes for anything, but it's, I think it is a matter of intent, power of intent and being open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. And I feel like there's something about trust, but that's not always easy to do. But there's something about trust in the moments where you're not sure if the right thing's going to happen or you're not, you desire something, but, um, you know, let me just rewind a moment. It's sort of like when you're really wanting something to happen, if you can just trust that the best thing will happen and release the pressure around wanting that one thing, then maybe something different can happen. Do you find that? <laughs> I think, I think you totally nailed it. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what I was saying until it came out. No, I think, I think that's perfect. I think, I think, yeah, it incorporates a lot of things that we've been talking about, taking a step back, kind of releasing it. I mean, trust is a huge word and I'm, I'm glad you said that because I feel like it was something that I, I didn't outwardly say, but I think it's something that's very important into the equation. And then it's also trust on many levels, like trust in myself that I can handle it if it goes the other way or goes a different way that I'm ex than I'm expecting. Like trust that if it's devastating, I might be able to handle it. But that's taken years to develop. Yeah, it has. And as you're saying that, I'm reminded of my inner kind of brain chatter, inner thinking of what happens in these moments where maybe I'm clinging too much to a certain outcome. And I say to myself, it's almost as though you're, you're taking actions that you feel like in your heart are for your, your highest good. And I feel like as long as you could stick to that road or as long as, as you're checking in with yourself and making those decisions, then I feel like that's what lets things unfold. So it's not always going to be a straight line from A to B and it's not always going to be, I have to accomplish this now in this amount of time, but it might be if you value if you, if you have a high value on community, if you have a high value on taking care of people, it might be my day is really hectic. I have all this stuff to do, but I know that, you know, my neighbor is sick or my friend is sick. And if that's what you value, you go help your friend out. And I, f I really feel like it's in those moments that things actually come together for you in a different way because you're still following through with what is in your highest good, but maybe not necessarily what was directly in your vision that you wanted to accomplish for yourself specifically. I don't know if that really makes sense, but I think there's, there's something to that when, when synchronicity happens. I think it does make sense that you're staying connected with what you most value and what you most find important in life. Even if some of the periphery things seem semi-important, but you're sticking with the core of who you are. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I hope that's clear, but you're right. It is something with the, the values. I think that was important that you said that, that you're following through what, what you, what you value. And I do think that's another way of saying you're, you're kind of being faithful to your, to your own path and you're trusting that. So I'm dying to know now, <laughs> just from this, the tail end of this conversation, what do you feel like life is about? Oh boy. <laughs> I know it's a big question. 
I'm, I'm really big into the Conversations of, with God trilogy. And one of the messages that is in that series that comes up over and over again is to create the grandest vision of the greatest version that you've ever had for yourself. I know that's like big and I know that's a lot, but to me it's, it's constantly creating the next kind of best thing that you want for yourself and making that real and putting it out there and making it known. And I think there's, there's another quote that I really like and it's be faithful to that, which exists nowhere, but within yourself. And I feel like that's to me, the, the seed for creating that because I feel like we, we all have these, you know, we all have a passion. We all want hopefully to make the world a better place and to help those around us in some way. I know sometimes the help itself can be a little misguided, the action, but I do think that if, if we listen to what's inside and we listen to that, that drive and that voice and, and give it life that we're all, we're going to put our own kind of signature on, on making things better for one another. I love that quote. And I saw that written on your board. And I want to maybe switch gears for a moment, maybe not in the grand scheme of things, but what are you finding a struggle with at the moment, whether that's in your life or in your practice? Yeah, no, I think this is a good transition because ironically, one of the things that I'm really struggling with, or at least I feel like I'm in the midst of getting over is this notion of being an authority on something. So I really value things like intuition. I really value stillness, meditation. And I think through these, you know, these channels were able to get a lot of insight and insight into, you know, your life respectively, but also insight, insight to maybe situations that are going around outside of you with other people. And this insight has a lot of value and I think is very, very, very important. But I think for a really long time, I didn't give it much value because I thought that I wasn't an expert in it. So whatever would come up for me, whether it was uh, a problem that I was working on or advice that I wanted to give someone or wanting to even make a blog and talk about, you know, different modalities, like I kind of dabbled in, I knew I wasn't an expert in those things. And that really deterred me for a really long time, putting myself out there. And that was a real challenge and a real struggle. And I think once I learned that the insight that I glean from being still and meditating, once I learned that that had real value and was needing a voice, I think I finally, finally, after a very long time and a very hard struggle, began to give it a voice. And I think that is through my practice with bodywork and Reiki. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, how did you begin to know that you had value there? Like, how did you begin to feel that what you had in you was valuable? Yes, this is, that's a tough question. I could feel 
I can feel me. I could feel like a little <laughs> freaked out by that question. Uh, I think I knew what I had to say and put out their head value because I devalued it for so long that I really dug quite a hole. Oh, that sounds so painful. Like what? What do you mean? I mean that I almost did everything I possibly could except for giving this very important information a voice and I was getting nowhere for so long. <laughs> or I was just getting the same places and I knew it. And I would I would maybe do it a different way this time, different way that time. <laughs> <laughs> but the end result was always the same. So on a practical matter, I alluded to having many different kinds of jobs. And at first it was fun. I worked in a distillery for a while. I worked in many coffee shops and met many cool people, including you. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, I, I've just, I've, I like worked with underserved populations, which was very near to my heart. But I, I ran up to some problems, you know, I, I, especially let's like with underserved populations, I saw that things, there were certain practices that didn't make sense for groups of people that were needing help, you know, and I saw people being burnt out. I saw caretakers being burnt out and this didn't make sense to me. And I kind of thought I had maybe something to offer, but maybe something to like put out there that would help ease a burden somewhere, but I didn't do it. And so I got different jobs here and there and I would get frustrated and eventually I would lose the job or I would get fired or I'd quit because I was frustrated. I mean, this has happened so many times and you know that about me. I do know that. <laughs> and I'm laughing also because I know, I know this for myself you know, experiences of repeating something over and over in effort to find it or to do something, but totally avoiding the thing that you is truly you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it was, it cost me. I, I spent a lot of time and I, you know, a lot of time just being broke. You know, I had to move home at one point, um, which was tough. And it, that point was semi-recently too, I might add. And then it was finally where I was, you know, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. And so the way out of that was to give my ideas a voice and to try to create something new. And by new, I mean by way of, you know, teamwork, community, having those be my cornerstones. And I started doing a little bit of writing. So far, I've only posted on social media, like via Facebook, but I have a blog developing now for the first time ever. And this feels really, really empowering to me. That's so exciting. I am so happy for you. And it sounds like you really, uh, through all those experiences, saw yourself and started to listen internally and let that reach outward. Yeah, exactly. I, there was definitely a shift. And I think on a bigger level, if we're speaking holistically here, I think the shift that's happening right now too of of typically giving one type of group of people power and authority 
right? So that's a shift that we're we're shifting away from. Um, patriarchy, one word for it. We're shifting away from that. So as I saw that these people that I that I thought had all the answers, and I thought that I don't have any new answers though. I thought that I wasn't the expert, and that what I have to say doesn't have the the years of of study or schoolwork or experience that a lot of my maybe male teachers had. I felt like that was, you know, that kind of added to me being very reluctant to putting anything out there. And, you know, and the theme of things were shifting away from that. Mm -hmm. I think, I think everyone could kind of feel that. And so now I feel more empowered by my insight by the things that are intuitive and the things that are a little bit more intangible, that they have equal power and equal value and that really need to be shared right now. It's so important what you're saying. And this is a bit personal, but I'm just going to go for it because, you know, we're here. As you were talking about patriarchy, you were rubbing your left shoulder and like almost shaking something off of you. And then when you started talking about what your insight was, you brought your hand to the center line of your body and, and like moved it down as you talked. And um, it leads me to a thought I was having when you were saying that you're not the authority or that you didn't have authority to speak on something. But I'm thinking about two people you already mentioned today, just kind of, uh, as an example, you were mentioning your mom and your grandma. And as you know, working with a lineage is really important. And it sounds like there's so much resource in your lineage around your authority and your insight. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that for me personally, so my, my Nana, she reads tarot cards and she's really good at it. And my mom is highly gifted, intuitive, medium, psychic. I mean, she gets these messages and she sees things that end up coming, have already happened for me maybe, but I haven't told her or, or come out being true right later on, end up happening later on. And I think this is something that, yeah, has, I think this is a very uh, feminine matriarchy, matriarchal quality. And I think it's undervalued because it's not as tangible. And I think that does really, it does. You're, you're very good. I know at, at paying attention to the lineage and what has been passed down to us. And I think that having this, this power that is of a more feminine quality and not paying attention to it has been, you know, to my detriment and to our detriment. But I, I do think this is one of the things that is really important that I'm finally giving more of a voice to because I'm finding how impactful it is. It's a powerful mother line you have. <laughs> and it's almost like, as you're saying that I, I just picture them like breathing better. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like an embracing of, of 
the resource, the love that's there. Yeah, I feel like our generation, I mean, you and I are in our early 30s. So I feel like our generation has this opportunity to give this a voice. I mean, us women, we have an opportunity to give this a voice where, as before, it was not just not taken seriously. And so I, I feel like that does really alleviate maybe a lot of a lot of trauma and maybe a lot of hardship that, you know, our parents or our grandparents, grandmothers had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just such a capacity to transform right now that we're accessing. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it kind of goes off of what uh, you and I had a conversation earlier today. And to me, I really believe in this notion of the healer within. And I feel that holistic therapy, holistic, just the, the word in general, again, this, this notion that we're approaching one another and healing already being whole or with, with realizing how we are already whole. And just like we push away parts of ourselves that we don't like, but they don't really go anywhere, right? They're still there because we're whole. Yep. <laughs> we also have this healer inside of us. And through my work, that's what I want to speak to this inner healer that is just waiting to be spoken to probably the same way that my Nana or my mom or my Nana's mom was just waiting for that intuition, that insight, that kind of clairvoyant quality to be really taken seriously and brought out into the world. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard mostly women, but that's not to say that men don't, you know, don't say this too. That is the last time I ignore my intuition. Oh, you hear people say that. Yeah. Right. Because it is a very real thing. It feels so painful. I, I've definitely said that. I haven't heard people say it lately, but... I, I have. I have. I feel like it's a very real thing, intuition. We don't... It's something that typically has been undervalued. But it is a very, very real thing that, that is on our side. It, it comes from us. And it's us giving ourselves help in some way. And we, we need to listen it's important to listen to it. How do you spot your intuition speaking to you? <laughs> Usually by my level of resistance to it. <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> and, but what for you is the resistance? Uh, so it's usually this feeling of like that, you know, better. It's usually this feeling of you should do it this way this time. And there's resistance to it because maybe it's the way that you haven't done yet. Or maybe it's the way that feels most uncomfortable. But I think it's the way that's going to serve you best. I think that's why it's asking for a voice or asking to be seen. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm describing that or if it makes sense it sounds like usually your intuition tells you something that's like new or uncomfortable or different which i've heard you speak to like what's emerging and that and then you kind of fight that 
yeah, I think there's a stage of fighting it or being like, oh, really? Do I have to do it this way? You, it's like you bargain with your, your, your intuition or your inner self. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just kind of silly because I know that at my highest level, I am asking for this insight. And so, aren't we funny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I know. It's silly the things that we try to negotiate. <laughs> so, what's something? Can you give us an example of that? An example of your intuition speaking to you recently where you've been like, really? Oh no, I don't want to do that. Okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so I think to, again, echo of how I want to give my creativity a voice. One of the ways that I've also gotten around that or try to avoid that is by my romantic relationships. So I feel like I try to delve into partnerships instead of using that energy and that focus into, you know, building a practice and giving a voice, like I said, giving a voice to what I believe in. You could tell, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that relationships don't have value or that you shouldn't be in them or whatever, but I think I do believe we have a tendency to give them maybe too much weight. And if we don't give them too much weight, then I think we also can feel when we're doing something that is taking away our energy from the, the true purpose and the true drive right now. So whether it's a relationship or not, I mean, if, for me, for me, it typically tends to be. If, you're, if your focus is on creating a practice, then, you know, why are you watching Netflix and <laughs> catching up on <laughs> binging on a TV show? You know what I mean? It could, it could, be, it could be anything. Yeah. Or like going out and doing the same thing or, you know, going out for drinks or whatever. Yeah, those, fine. That's something that you've done once in a while, but like how much longer are you going to do that? I think we all have this voice and we know, and maybe it is talking to you right now. And maybe you could sense it right now. I wouldn't doubt if you, if you can, but we all have this, this feeling and this pull inside of us that's saying, okay, this is the truth. I have to stop. This is getting me nowhere and I need to stop. And it's very hard because it's, it's hard to break the habit, but it's also hard to do the thing that's new because we haven't done it yet. Right. So we don't know what it looks like, or we can't quite envision it yet. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And just thinking about creativity, that's second chakra. That's the reproductive area. That's the same area as our relational area. And I'm just pulling in all these thoughts at the moment. Like um, if we are moving towards something we want to create and it's truly our voice, there's often that fear. Because we have to, we have to move through that to, to um, really bring all of us to what we're creating. The fear's got to be there too, or that somehow, somewhere in our lives, someone has. We've had an experience where we thought this wasn't valuable or good enough, or or whatever. But 
when we have that fear come up now, we want that soothing. And how do we, where do we turn then? Like a relationship or a connection in some way. So it makes sense. But then at the same time, I hear you in saying there's a gut feeling that just says you need to do something different and to, to reach out for it and to try it, to challenge yourself that way. Yeah, there's definitely a gut feeling. And I, I know that we all have it. I know that we all have it. And so, you know, it's just a matter of, of listening to it. And I, I really try to encourage people. That was something that I wrote recently on, on Facebook. Again, not my preferred way to put things out there, but in lieu of the blog right now, I think it's working. But that was just kind of my encouraging like words was that personally, I just went, I had three years, my, my uh, third year anniversary of being completely sober. So congrats. Yes. So that was actually back in January, three years. Uh, I gave up drinking and I wasn't, I don't think I was an alcoholic. I don't think I was that, um, what we think of as an alcoholic. If an alcoholic is like on a scale of one to 10 and maybe they're like a nine or a 10, I think I was probably at a five or a six, Mm -hmm. but I do think that being a five or a six is still unhealthy. And I could tell that it was just getting in the way of what I wanted to do and where I needed to be. So it took me a long time and I gave myself every excuse to keep on drinking. Like, oh, it's supporting local breweries. (laughs) Good one. Yeah, isn't that clever? (laughs) Very clever and (laughs) resourceful. Uh Uh-huh. Teamwork again. See, (laughs) I know. Or, um, oh, I just want, you know, it's been a really hard day or it's just one drink or whatever, whatever, whatever. Those are all excuses. And I I think you you could recognize them. I I think if you're listening, you could recognize them. I do. And so my challenge was to call it out and to say, yeah, these are excuses and that we tell ourselves to keep us stuck. And it was three years ago. And, and finally, I just had this epiphany and I was like, I just can't keep doing this. How, how, how much more am I going to do this to myself? And I could say that in those three years, I feel like my spirituality and clarity has just blossomed. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a big bike rider. And once, one time I was on my bike and I was having a tough day and I just had this moment where I was like, Oh my gosh, if I were still drinking right now, this day would bury me. And it was just this realization that, that stopping the thing that was hindering me was really what I needed. And it really boosted me. It's, it's stopping the thing that's taking away from the quality of life, ultimately. Well, it, it also makes me wonder, what's your balance of willpower and just changing behavior and healing it at the root or transforming what was there before it or why it came to be to begin with? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And I think... I think to encourage people to work with what they're, what maybe they struggle with or their, their vice, I'll, I'll, I'll use just the word vice, but I think that there's many different ways that you could go about it. And I think it's just taking the first step. So ultimate, ultimately it is, you know, ideally, 
I feel like the change is more sustainable if you heal things at the root level. But I don't think that's always necessary in order to right away in order to um, make really big impactful changes. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Just one step. It's a really good reminder. You mentioned you tried just so many different healing modalities and they've all served you in different ways. Why did you ultimately choose body work, Thai body work and Reiki for yourself? Yeah, so I really was drawn to the movements of the Thai style of body work. I use a lot more of my body than a typical massage. So I think people are used to the table experience, right? And the protect practitioners basically just using their hands. Um, but with a Thai style, it's done on a mat and the recipient's fully clothed. So I think there's a, you know, also kind of an added comfort level there. But I support people in certain stretches and certain poses that resemble yoga, but also there's compression and there's a lot of movement going on. And coming from, you know, my, my previous life as a basketball player, uh, the mov movement is ultimately what's really important to me. So I feel like just, just through the movement, things really come together and I'm able to hone in easier on um, what might be coming up for the person that I'm seeing. And with the Reiki, I mean, again, I have to mention my teacher, Nicole Perez. I started seeing her for another issue that I was having. I mentioned I had lower back problems growing up, but I had a surgery a few years ago on uh, for ovarian cysts. And I saw her because she did Reiki out of the place that I was going to for, for treatment. And she is just a wonderful, gifted practitioner. And even though I, I liked, I had Reiki before and I really enjoyed the experience, there was something about her that I was really drawn to. She just had this incredibly down-to-earth approach to energy work. And I feel like that combination is a little tougher to come by. And so as I was receiving from her, you know, having these sessions, it wasn't long before I knew that it was something that I, I really wanted to study. And maybe that would have happened eventually, but I really think that she turned me on to wanting to study because of her down-to-earth approach. You've also mentioned something about her approach where, to me, where she... Um, when she's working with you, she'll just receive imagery and insight. And I think you have that gift. Can you talk about it? Yeah, I'm glad you're mentioning that because I think it's another thing that I've actually struggled talking about. Really? And what, why is that? So she does a lot of guide work. And I think working with guides is this concept that maybe some people know or maybe some people are new to. You mean spirit guides, right? Thank you. Yes. Just, just to clarify. <laughs> I do. I mean spirit guides. And I feel like, I don't, yeah, I feel like through learning Reiki from her, working with your spirit guides is really important. Everyone has spirit guides. That's my belief that everyone has spirit guides. And I think they're, helping you. And I think they're, they probably have a hand in synchronicity. Maybe that's also why I like it so much. But I also think it's 
speaking to this notion of having spirit guides. And that's not something that we've heard a lot about, especially maybe from holistic energy workers. I think it's still something that like doesn't get as much attention as it should because it's, again, more of maybe a non-tangible concept. But I feel like it's a way that we're supported in doing work through our spirit guides and they're there to help us. It's, I think a lot of times people understand this concept of having a spirit animal. What's your spirit animal? I think maybe that's more a more common way of looking at it. And it's, it's this animal that we relate to and there are qualities about the animal that maybe we see in us. And there are strengths that the animal has that is speaking to the strengths that we need to develop. And so I think through Reiki, I, I believe that my guides are helping me and they're, they're showing me images and they're showing me things that are important for the client and that I speak to after the session um, that are incredibly insightful. And I, I think it's for me, I think I receive the information through images specifically. I think that might have something to do with the fact that I use my body for a lot of my work. I think I can relate stronger to images but also sometimes we have a way of misconstruing words and the meaning of words. And I feel like through an image, it has a lot of power and we're able to easily, well, maybe not so easily, but with some time decipher what the image really means to us because it, it kind of tugs at something inside of us. Yeah. It speaks to just different parts of us that words may not be able to access. Perfect. Yeah. Whether it be like a memory or I feel like the images can be very emotionally related, like, you know, especially specific things that come up. Yeah, very much. Um, well, I've really loved talking with you today. Is there anything else that you're sitting on that you want to share today? Probably just a reiteration of my, my love for teamwork. I have to say there's two things right now. It's, it's, it's finding opportunities to work together, to want to boost one another and encourage one another in their pursuits. And also I think it's in moving slow. I feel like that's another thing that I've been trying to focus on or a message that I've been focused on putting out there I think that we move at a very fast pace. And I think if we continually move at a fast pace, we miss a lot of what is being like spoken to us. We miss a lot of the subtleties of information, whether it's through dreams, because, you know, we get maybe insights through dreams. And then if we're moves a little slower, we could process them upon waking. Or if it's an emotion that comes up, that's really difficult. And if we're moving too fast and we go to the next thing, we never give that emotion the space that it needs. And ultimately these things need the space or these things are speaking to us so that we can be better for ourselves. And in order to turn up the volume, I think we have to move slow, slower in, in what we're doing on a daily basis. Yeah, it's as if many of us are just running. <laughs> and we can't really receive things when we're running. You know, imagine just all these good things coming your way while you're running. Like, how can you even catch them? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, slow down, slow down, take this, receive this. Right, right. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me today and um, look forward to, to having you again. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun and I appreciate the opportunity to give these ideas a, a nice voice. Rachel, where can we find you? Yes, so right now in lieu of a website, I made a YouTube video and you could look me up. It's Rachel Hutner. So that is R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And my last name is H-U-T-T-N as in Nancy E-R. I basically just made a short video talking about my approach to the Thai style of bodywork. And also I wanted to show some demonstrations firsthand because I find that a lot of the people I was working with uh, were very new to the Thai style and didn't know what to expect. So I wanted to make it more approachable. Um, and if you watch it, please leave me a comment because I would love any questions or uh, feedback that you have. It, again, this is a new practice for me. So I, I have an invite for it all. It's a lovely video, Rachel. Thank you. That was our show today with Rachel. Rachel offers Thai body work and Reiki and speaks about existential life questions and synchronicity. Soon she will have her blog up. And right now you can check out Rachel's Thai body work on YouTube by searching her name, or you can look at the show notes below and click on the link. Before you leave today, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the weekly Embodied Podcast at CandiceWu.com slash podcast, where you'll find lots of meditations, interviews, all about healing work, being yourself, being in your body. You can stay connected with me and get lots of free resources, meditations, and tips on healing and loving yourself in my newsletter or on the Embody community on Facebook. All of that can be accessed on my website at CandiceWu.com. Thanks so much and see you next time.